Welcome to the Jenny Carlson Show. This week, my guest is someone who I have known for a long time and who I'm so happy to have join us. But before I introduce her, I want to say a quick word of thanks to these great sponsors for supporting the Jenny Carlson Show. Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Laser Light Skin Clinic, MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Golf and Fire Lake Arena. And remember, drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Well, today I'm so happy to be joined by Heather Denich, ESPN National College Football Insider and ESPN.com Senior Writer. And she's one of the nation's foremost experts on the college football playoffs. So we got a lot to talk about. But Heather, do we need to talk about how long we've known each other? Is that the first order of business here? We want people to know how old we are, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> then I would say no. Let's just forge ahead and talk about the college football playoff. But we, we have known each other since I was in Kansas City and you were interning in Kansas City. But those days are like 25 years in the past. So you let's... Well, I mean, you know, people can do the math here in Oklahoma. So I think they, they got that figured out, maybe. Anyway, but let's talk about this college football playoff because this is your 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 baby, your area of expertise. And obviously people here in Oklahoma are suddenly paying a lot more attention to what's going off on in the playoff world after OU beat Texas. So big picture, let's start there, Heather. How many teams right now are you estimating are still in that conversation that could actually make this playoff? Wow. I would say that there are at least probably 10. I mean, that's what's different and more interesting about this season. And it would be a great year for a 12-team playoff. But they have not done that yet. So realistically, in the Big Ten alone, we're talking about Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. You've got Oklahoma, Texas in the Big 12. There are a handful of schools in the Pac-12. USC with one loss doesn't look like a top-four team, but it could still get there. You've got, obviously, Oregon, Washington, that's eight, SEC, Georgia, Alabama, nine, ten, and then Florida State, maybe, North Carolina. So it's certainly a deep field at this point, but as the Big Ten, first and foremost, gets into the heart of conference play, we'll learn a lot more about who to take seriously on that side. Do you feel like that 10 or 12 teams, are there... Are there teams that you feel like have the best chance just looking at schedules and how they're playing? Uh, just what's out there for the for those uh, dozen or so teams who has the best chance to get there? Texas, to me, is one of these teams that we're talking about because it has two things going for it. One, one of the best wins in the country on the road in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. And two, a winnable schedule. And we all know how hard it is for teams to beat the same team twice in the same season. And so assuming that Oklahoma and Texas meet again in the Big 12 championship, if they do, it's going to be difficult for Oklahoma to beat them again. And I think they might have to in order to have a shot at the college football playoff. But for Texas to finish as a one-loss Big 12 champion, I think would be much easier for the selection committee to justify. But Jenny, if we go that route and we say one loss, Texas is in, the SEC champion is probably in, the Big 10 champion is probably in, who gets left out? The Pac-12 is loaded. It can make a case for the deepest conference this year. Florida State is extremely talented as well. So here we are in a 14 playoff. And if Texas is the answer to that question, 
who's getting bumped out at that fourth spot on selection day. Yeah. Yeah. Huge question. Obviously lots of games left, so it'll probably play out. We'll figure it out, but I'm sure there's some people listening to this that are Oklahoma fans saying Texas, Texas, you had to say Texas, but that begs the question, does Oklahoma have to go undefeated? I mean, they didn't play much of anybody in the non-conference. Their remaining schedule is not littered with great teams. Do they have to run the table, Heather, and win the Big 12 championship to, to get into the college football playoff? My gut, as we sit here right this skinny minute, says yes. Mm-hmm. And only because when the selection committee on selection day looks at these Power 5 conference champions, if they have sim- similar records, if Oklahoma loses a game and they're going up against a Pac-12 champion or a Florida State team that defeated LSU in Orlando and Clemson in Death Valley or an Ohio State team that beat Notre Dame on the road, what does Oklahoma have on the rest of its resume to stack up against those other Power Five conference champs if they lose a game? As we sit here right now, how many ranked opponents are they going to have on their schedule besides Texas? I mean, they'll certainly get rewarded for defeating Texas twice. But what else is there? Because there are those other champions, I'm telling you, they put them up side by side on flat screen, giant screens in that room around their table. And they compare all of these teams statistically. Now, they could believe 100% that Oklahoma looks like one of the four best teams. So I will add on to that, that Oklahoma, when playing unranked, unheralded teams, needs to leave no doubt that they're a top four team in every game. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask you about as it relates to Oklahoma, let's say they go undefeated. uh, And, 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 but there's, there's some other great teams out there, as you've mentioned, whether it's big 10 pac 12, I mean, all these teams that are going to be jockeying for the four spots, Playoff committees talked in the past about this game control thing, which near as I can tell, I think it means don't beat teams like 54 to 50, beat them 27 to 20. (laughs) But it seems like with Oklahoma's improved defense, maybe game control is going to look better. Does that help? Does it matter? What, how does that all play into the equation for an undefeated Oklahoma team? So I want, I want to be clear about that particular metric because it's actually an ESPN metric and it came into the vernacular in 2014 in the first year of the college football playoff because of Jimbo Fisher, who was at Florida State at the time. And we all kept talking about it. And Jimbo Fisher's like, game control. I don't know what that game control is. That's not a, I'm not a game control. Yeah. And the selection committee's like, we don't use that. We don't use ESPN stats. We use the stuff that we have in our room. But To your point, they certainly look at scoring margin, which is sort of a similar metric if there is one out there. It's have you controlled the game, for lack of a better phrase? Have or or are you getting off to a slow start like Georgia against Vanderbilt at eleven o'clock local time this past weekend? Right. So it's just kind of watching the game film and seeing how did you play. But Oklahoma's defense is so much noticeably better and continues to improve. And that is certainly part of the equation. And it will help them in that committee meeting room, especially if they're going up against a team like USC, which 
has not been playing terrific defense to this point and has so many missed tackles. So all of those things go under the microscope. But I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if undefeated Oklahoma as a Big 12 champion did not get in this thing. I've had them in my top four for each of the past two weeks because of that win against Texas. Because as we sit here today, I think it's the best win in the country. Well, people, uh, Oklahoma fans, you're back in their good graces by saying that, Heather. So congratulations. Uh, (laughs) Another suddenly hot topic among Sooner fans is the Heisman race because, uh, you know, it's been a few years since Oklahoma's had a real legitimate candidate. Dylan Gabriel has now entered the building, entered the conversation. Give us the Heisman race. How does it look from your view right now? Well, Dylan Gabriel is in my top five. I turned that to ESPN.com this week. But I had a tricky time because Caleb Williams throwing three interceptions for the first time in his career. What do you do with that? He's not a bad quarterback. He's the Heisman Trophy winner for crying out loud. And yet, Jenny, he wasn't in my top five this week because of that. And I, you know, based on what we see, obviously plays into it. But I also pulled up our stats and put Dylan Gabriel right up there with Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis. Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. and look specifically at their completion percentages, their interceptions, like all of the things that you look at. And if you're doing that and you're watching him on film with what he's done, he's got to be in your top five. He has to because the statistics are matching up with what you see on film. And Caleb might play his way back into this thing, but it's for me, it's just like Georgia. It's not about last year. It's about right now. What about the Pac-12 quarterbacks? There's three of them that are really good, and they're going to play against each other. And we've already seen Knicks and Penix play against each other. How does that play into the equation? We obviously saw Gabriel playing against Quinn Ewers, a guy that some people thought was a Heisman contender, still probably down the list on some people's list. But how does that Pac-12 quarterback uh, carousel play into the Heisman race? They're phenomenal. I mean, for Michael Penix Jr. to do what he did in the final 90 seconds or whatever it was of that game against Oregon, on the same weekend that Caleb Williams had his mistakes, elevated him to the top of the list, in my personal opinion. Uh, But it's going to continue to play out, and there will be more Heisman moments and more opportunities for a lot of these quarterbacks. But I mean, We've been talking about the Pac-12 quarterbacks, as in we in the media, since the summer, knowing this group was special. And I think it certainly lived up to the hype, which is why I think the Pac-12 needs to be given some grace this year for its conference champion in the top four. We always come down on the Pac-12. Oh, they're beating each other up. They're beating each other up. They're really good this year, and the quarterback play has elevated the entire conference. Yeah. You mentioned Penix having that last two-minute drive uh, a couple weeks ago. Same day Dylan Gabriel had his final two-minute drive against Texas. Heisman moment for both of them. It feels like Penix may have a chance to have more of those. Gabriel, may it just doesn't feel like the competition is going to be as good. So is there a chance he had his Heisman moment too soon? Or does a Heisman moment against Texas carry on regardless of when it happens? Well, I think it carries on. Just like that win will continue to resonate with the selection committee through 
through selection day. Um, but I also think that as other players have opportunities against tougher defenses and tougher competition down the stretch, that could be a big factor in, in the separation of these players. And I have a Heisman vote. And those are some of the things I look at. Okay, you got however many yards, but who did you do it against? Was it against one of the nation's top defenses? What is it against a ranked opponent? What were the Was it on the road? Was it at home? All of those things are factors. Hey, before we let you go, Heather, pull back the curtain a little bit. You covered the whole college football scene. How are Saturdays for you? How are you able to keep up with all of this? Because, you know, some of us are, it's hard to keep up with two teams we cover. How are you, how are you managing on Saturdays to, to process all of this? Jenny, my brain has truly been trained over the past decade to watch these teams like a selection committee member would. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I spend most of my weekends at ESPN where I have a man cave of TVs. <laughs> There's the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To truly watch all of these games that are going on. And in September, I try to go to one or two big games. This year, I went to Ohio State, Notre Dame. I was able to go see Miami and Texas A&M play. But once the first Saturday in October comes, it's honestly best for me to stay put and watch everything that's unfolding because you know how it is when you're in a press box, you're locked in on that game, you're locked in on whatever games they're showing in the press box, which are usually those conferences games. And then it's 1 a.m. and you're like, wait, Florida State did what? <laughs> you miss things. It's just natural. You miss things. So it's good to be at ESPN and, and have a grasp on all that. And this year, again, I'll be going to Grapevine, Texas for the first and last rankings of the season. Yeah. Say hey to our good friend, Bill Hancock down there. He's the best. Hey, uh, lastly, uh, you've got three boys. I, I'm the mom of a daughter, so it's a little bit different. She's not into sports, but you being a mom of three boys, do you get to be a cool mom because you cover college football for a living? It depends on the day. Right now, I am not in their good graces because I'm missing <laughs> Halloween again to go to oh. Grapevine, Texas. So they are not happy with me. Mama, 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 why do you have to go? Mama. <laughs> and I'm like, it's so you can eat these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and go to Disney World for crying out loud. <laughs> You're going to need to bring some full-size candy bars when you come home. That's what they want on Halloween from mom. So Exactly right. Exactly right. But yeah. This is no. great. Fantastic insight, Heather, as always. Can't thank you enough. This has been fun. Please, please tell me we can do this again sometime later in the season. Anything for you, my friend. Like you said, we go way back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Next time I'll leave that part out. People have to go find it on YouTube. So thanks to Heather and thanks to all of you for joining the fun this week. If this was your first time hearing or watching the Jenny Carlson show, please be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Did I mention you need to subscribe? Probably. But if you like what you hear, also leave a review or a comment. And remember, you can find all my work at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week.